Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for giving us, Lord, just the opportunity to come together and, Lord, just to experience your presence and your love and your healing power. And Father, we realize that people come in here, Lord, we all do come in here hurt, discouraged, some depressed, down. Some come filled with joy, and that's awesome too. But Lord, I thank you that your house, the church, is a hospital, a place for us to come and to be real and to cast our cares upon you. We also thank you, Lord, that your word is truth, and we live our lives according to your word. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us this day, that, Lord, your scriptures would speak to our hearts, and that we might find refuge, strength, refreshment, and renewal in that. And, Lord, I decrease that you would increase empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. Praise in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter uh, 7, and we're now in part 9. We're also going to look at chapter 8 as well, two chapters today, okay? We're going to get through it, trust me, okay? So we're now in part 9 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Say that. And as always, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was all of chapter 6. And I give you five points, and the first one was the loan. Say that. The loan, that's in verses 1 through 5, and there Solomon is giving instruction regarding finances. And what he's doing, he's warning his son, he's warning us, all those who read this book, the Bible, about taking on a credit obligation on behalf of another person, co-signing or entering into a business transaction with someone who could easily send you into financial ruin. The second point was the lazy. Say that. And that's in verses 6 through 7. And, and Solomon is warning us against laziness. And he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Uh, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So Solomon, what he wants to do, he wants... He wants the slugger to consider the ant's ways. And what he does, then he does, he, he gives a rebuke that tolerating even a little laziness can become a crippling habit. And the result is of that, that poverty will overtake the lazy person as quickly as a robber or armed man assaults his victim. The third point was the loser. Say that. The loser. And that's in verses 12 through 15. And Solomon now moves from the lazy man uh, to now warning us about the worthless and wicked man, call this the loser, and everything this person uh, says has an angle, uh, a perverse uh, purpose, and this person is dangerously destructive, and Solomon's saying, telling us, his son, avoid such a person. And the fourth one was the list, say that, the list. And that's verses 16 through 19, and there you have a list of seven things that God hates, an abomination to him, and this list describes what displeases God. It's a warning to stay clear, stay clear of these things. You might remember this, right? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension. And the word for that is conflict among brothers. We could also say among the community. And the last point of last week's text was the lamp. Say that, the lamp. 
And that's in verses 20 to 35. It, the lamp is it's God's word. Say God's word. That, right? It's God's word. It's his word, God's word, that warns us, right, against adultery, against sexual immorality. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is The Cry of Wisdom. Everyone say that. All right, I like that. I like that enthusiasm. All right, so today we're going to cover two chapters, as, as I said earlier. Now, before we even move forward, I just want to remind you that this book, this book is a book of wisdom. We know that, right? It's a book of wisdom. It's, it's a gift from God. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's a book of wisdom. Listen now, it's a book of wisdom, not a book of feelings, how I feel. It's a book of wisdom. Say wisdom. If you're saved, say amen. God wants us, if you're saved now, God wants us to live a fulfilled, blessed, joyful life. And in order to live that way, we need His wisdom. Wisdom from His Word. And let's be honest, most of the heartache and most of the pain that we suffer in life is a result of the lack of godly wisdom. Right? The lack of insightful understanding and application to our lives. Listen, our feelings, okay, how we feel were never meant to set the course, to set the path of our lives. Would you guys agree? Because feelings, I've said this many times, our feelings are a lousy indicator, right? We are to live our lives by objective truth, not subjective feelings. And you see, wisdom is the opposite of feelings, in our culture, right, our culture, today's culture, is big on feelings, right? Right, well, this is how I feel. I'm doing this because this is the way I feel. Big on feelings, right? Well, God in his word is big on wisdom. Can I get an amen? And it's his wisdom that he has given us in his word so we would steer clear away from the, the trouble and heartache that we would otherwise invite into our lives because how we feel, Right? So this is a book of wisdom. It's a gift from God. And I hope that you and I are getting much wiser as we go through this series, right? So let's look at chapter 7, and we're back now to the adulteress, uh, the wayward wife again, and we've already looked at her in chapter 2, chapter 5, and chapter 6. Now you're probably thinking, we're going to talk about her again, really? I mean, really? We talked about her enough already. Come on. Well, according to God, we haven't. Right? According to God, we haven't. It's repeated because we need to hear it. And he wants us to listen up, to get, to get it, to get it, and to take heed to it. So chapter 7, we're going to focus on chapter 7, then we're going to focus on chapter 8, right? Chapter 7, got three points. We're going to kind of go through this quickly here. Number one is this, instruction. Say that. Instruction, write that down. We'll look at verses 1 through 5. And Solomon says, My son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Love that. And keep my commands and you will live. Your life will be enriched. Okay? Guard my teachings as an apple of your eye. In other words, the center of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. In other words, wear them like you're wearing rings on your fingers. Got it? Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, that they would be strong in the memory. Strong in the memory. Verse 4, say to wisdom, you are my sister. I love this. And call understanding your kinsmen. 
So what he's saying is be so familiar, so in touch, in tune with wisdom as if it's your closest relative. Got it? Verse 5, they, speaking of the commands, the teachings, instruction will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. The wisdom and the power of God's word gives you and I instruction, say instruction, insight to help us and to help keep us, excuse me, from sexual immorality. If you agree with that, say amen. And you see, our activities, in other words, what we do, friends, are governed by our attitude toward God. It's his word, his wisdom, his instruction, his insight, which directs our steps, which keeps us on the straight and narrow, which keeps us from sin, which keeps us from sexual immorality. It's his word, instruction to us. Amen? Number two is seduction. Say that. Seduction, write that down. And Solomon, here he begins to tell the story of how he saw a man passing along the street. Look at verses 6 through 10 with me. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. Verse 7. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked what? Judgment. This was someone who was naive, gullible, inexperienced, uneducated in the ways of wisdom. Verse 8, he was going down, say down, he was going down the street near her corner. Anytime you fail to obey God, friends, listen now, anytime you fail to obey God, you're going nowhere but down. Got it? Walking along in the direction of her house. I want to stop there. This guy made a mistake by going where he would be tempted. In fact, friends, the fall into sin has already started the moment he made the decision to go down the street, right? Remember what Solomon said back in chapter 5, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8? He said this, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Stay away, right? And I want to tell you, the easiest place to find victory over temptation is to change that first step down the street. Don't go down the street. Stop. Right? Verse 9, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, verse 10, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. So she, in other words, she was dressed to kill. Did you get that? For her, for her, Sex was a transaction, not an experience of intimacy in marriage. Verses 11 through 14, if you're still with me, say amen. She is loud and defiant. So this is not a woman of good, dignified character. Her feet never stay at home. Verse 12, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. In other words, she wasn't hard to find. She was continually exposing herself. 13, she took hold of him. In other words, she caught him. She trapped him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings. Your Bibles might render as peace offerings or sacrifices at home. Today, I fulfilled my vows. So she most likely was offering uh, these sacrifices, these offerings to some pagan god. 
some pagan deity. And even if the sacrifices she offered were part of Israel's temple worship, her religious, get this now, her religious zeal, listen now, was hypocritical. You guys with me? She's a religious person, not a godly person. And you see, she simply wanted to appear religious while she lived as she pleased when it came to her sexual desires. She was ready to lure the foolish, this foolish young man into adultery. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? It's possible to be in church where your heart is still not right with God. True? It's possible to be in church where your heart is still not right with God. Just because you're in church doesn't mean your heart is right with God. And you can go through the motions of everything here and you are far from God. I said many times, just because you have a seat in church doesn't mean you have a place in heaven. So she was a religious person, not a godly person. Are you guys with me? So don't just assume that just because the church is filled with people that everyone's saved. Are you guys with me? Verses 15 through 21, stay with me now. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. She's going all out, going all out. Verse 17, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So what she does now, she stimulates him with uh, aphrodisiac aromas. Now, that would be okay if she was faithful in her marriage to her husband, right? That'd be okay, right? But she's not doing this with her husband. Verse 18, come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Let us enjoy ourselves with love. No, that's not love. Say, that's not love. Come on, say, that's not love. What's that? That's lust. That's not love, that's lust. Love, say love. True love, agape love, always seeks the other's best. It's others focused. Are you guys with me? 1 Corinthians 13.5, you guys know this, right? We went through the whole series of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13.5, and known as the love chapter, says love does not seek its own. Did you get that? True love will not express itself. Listen now, friends. True love will not express itself in ways that would be damaging to the other person. Got it? Verse 19, my husband, check this out, is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. Verse 20, he took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. So what, she did, what she's doing here, she betrayed, what she did, she betrayed her husband, she betrayed her honor and her marriage vows. And you know what, friends? Temptation tries to reassure us that it's going to be okay. We, we won't be found out. Go ahead and do it. No one's going to find out. You'll be okay. No one's going to see you do this. But secret sins eventually are uncovered. Let me tell you something, friends. My sin, your sin will find you out. It'll find us out. Amen? Verse 21, with Persuasive words, in other words, she's building up his ego. She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. So her seduction was successful. Did you get that? Number three, destruction. Instruction, seduction, destruction. Sounds like a song, okay? But here we see the painful price of sexual sin. Of sexual sin. Verses 22 through 23, all at once, in other words, there's no delay here, 
He followed her like an ox going where? To the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose. 23, till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, like knowing it will cost him, little, excuse me, little knowing it will cost him his life. So he'll pay a price. He is likened, this guy, this young man, is likened to a dumb animal. Stupid, dumb, caught in a trap. And then, not just caught in a trap, but slaughtered. And you know, he was dumb, but she was crafty, sly, and evil. You guys with me? Verses 24 through 27. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. That's that reoccurring theme, right? So the father, once again, Solomon asked for the attention of his children. Listen now, to this important matter, this is important. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Verse 26. Many are the victims she has brought down. In other words, she has a track record. She has a track record. She's known for this. Her, her slain are a mighty throng. Verse 27, her house is a highway to the grave. Huh. If that shouldn't sober you up, I don't know what will. Leading down to the chambers of what? Death. So this chapter, it ends with this warning of the real danger that's connected with sexual immorality. So you guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. Sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. It does. Sin has a price tag attached to it. And don't forget the price involved with sin. It'll mess you up. There is no good, say there's no good, in sin. It has consequences. So we briefly went through that because we've been talking about this for some time now, right? But now we're going to focus on chapter 8. If you ready, say yes. Two points. Here we go. Number one is this, wisdom's exhortation. Exhortation. In other words, wisdom's appeal, wisdom's request, wisdom's urging, wisdom's cry from the heart. Wisdom is crying out here. Wisdom is crying out, calling out to consider her ways. It's constantly, constantly being offered. Now, you will notice that wisdom is personified as a woman, a noble, beautiful, helpful woman in contrast to the immoral woman described in the previous chapter. Now, I want to say this, and guys, don't get upset, okay? All right? Why is she personified as a woman? Because I believe women are a lot more wiser than men. And all the ladies said, Okay, they, they, you guys just are. I'm just going to call it as it is. Not saying that men are not wise, but women, I believe, are more wise than men. Are you guys with me? So verses one through five, I don't want any emails or letters, okay? Does not wisdom call out, cry out? Does not understanding raise her voice? Verse two, on the heights along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Verse 3, beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. Verse 4, to you, O men, I call out. Say, call out. I raise, I love this, I raise my voice to all mankind, to every person, man, woman, child, every person. You are simple, gain prudence. 
God is the naive. Gain, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. As she's speaking, what she's doing, and we know this, right? Because we focused on this in the, in the earlier chapters of this book. She's raising her voice. She's crying out. She's proclaiming wisdom to those in the public place, to those in the town center, to those in, in the middle traffic, those in the busiest corner, a place where people congregate. She's crying out. She's calling out, saying, understand wisdom. Guys, understand wisdom. Let it go from your head to your heart. Be of an understanding heart. And she's trying to get our attention. Listen to my voice. Don't get so busy with life that you forget to listen to the voice that can make the difference in your life. Because we need wisdom. And she's calling out. Verses 6 through 9. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. Love this. I open my lips to speak what is right. Verse 7, my mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. Verse 8, all the words of my mouth are just, none of them is crooked or perverse. Someone say amen. Verse 9, to the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless, they're upright, to those who have knowledge. They are right, they are faultless to those who we have knowledge. So what she does, she cites the value of learning from her. And what she says is her words are noble, they're right, they're true, and honest. In other words, friends, there is clarity and straightforward character to wisdom. True wisdom is simple. It really is. Say it's simple. It's profoundly simple and simply profound. I'm going to say that again. It's, it's profoundly simple and simply profound. Got it? Verses 10 through 11. Choose my instruction. You've got a choice. It's your choice, my choice. We can choose it or reject it, right? Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice, gold. In other words, if we're going to run after anything, listen, friends, if we are going to run after anything, seek after anything in life, it should be God's wisdom. Why? Look at verse 11. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. In other words, get this now. Wisdom, say wisdom. Wisdom yields better dividends than any pursuit or investment in life. Question, and think about it. What are people after? What are people after? What are they seeking in life? What are they pursuing in life? What are you? What are you seeking? What are you pursuing in life, friends? Money? Hmm? I'm amazed how a lot of people are just into money. Power? Position? Prestige? Possessions? How about this one? Popularity? Popularity? Happiness? What are you after? What are people after? What is our, our pursuit in life? What are we seeking after? Now, if you're saved, say amen. Nothing you desire in this world can compare with laying hold of God's wisdom. Are you guys with me? Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. Say prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Now, by the way, this is not the same thing as being a prude. Okay? All right. Got it? Prudence, and we, we, 
I, I shared it with you uh, in the very beginning of this series. Prudence is the ability to think through. Say think through. Forethought, it's discretion. It's thinking through before making, this is how, it's thinking through, listen guys, it's thinking through before making a decision. You guys got it? And what it does is it asks the question, what are the implications if I do this? What are the implications if I, if I do that? How will that affect me and those around me? Will it be a negative consequence or a positive consequence? It's thinking through before you make a decision. Prudence thinks things through. It's being rational and, and reasonable, friends. It's being, listen now, get this now, it's being a critical thinker. You guys with me? And sadly, we are living in a culture that's full of emotional thinkers. Their thinking is based on all emotions, all emotion. Rather, they're, they're, they're full of emotional emotions. Rather, rather than being critical thinkers, they're emotional thinkers. We live in a culture that makes decisions based on simply emotions and my feelings. That's scary. We need to think it through. Critical thinking is good. Right? Think it through. Your feelings might say this, but think it through. Right? God gave us feelings. I get that. But he gave us wisdom. And before you make a decision, don't, well, this is the way I feel. This is the way I, no, no, no. Think it through. What is God saying? What does wisdom say? Be a critical thinker. Verse 13. Here, here we go. To, to fear the Lord is to what? What does your Bible say? To what? To hate evil. Circle that. And wisdom says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Back in chapter 1, back in chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, right? Is what? The beginning of, of wisdom. You'll know if you got the fear of the Lord. You know how? You hate evil. You hate sin. That's how you know if you got the fear of the Lord. Do you hate it? I'm just question. Do you hate evil? I mean, do we hate it or do we tolerate it? And do we even love it? I'm talking to Christians. You see, as humans, there is in us an innate nature that gravitates to sin, to evil. That's the old person, right? But wisdom... Love this. Wisdom re rejects that attraction. We're drawn to sin because of our sinful nature, but wisdom rejects that attraction. Wisdom sees the danger hiding in the shadows. Yeah? Huh? Wisdom is knowing when you're walking into a trap. And it sees the danger and it says to you, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't do that. Stay away from there. Don't open that door. Don't answer that email. Don't answer that text. Don't get on. Don't, don't log on to Facebook. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's kind of like when you watch a movie, right? A suspenseful movie and some person's going in the house, and you know there's a person, you could see, obviously see the movie, right? The person's behind the door ready to smack them, and you're like, don't open, don't open the door, don't do it, right? That's wisdom. Wisdom says don't. Don't, because danger is lurking behind the door. Yeah? 
Here, here's the lesson, right? We know this. We, we kind of touched on this last week. Hate the things that God hates. Hate the things that God hates. I want you to get this, people, and please listen, listen. If you're going to embrace wisdom, if you are, that means you're going to reflect God's own heart as it relates to any form of evil. I'm going to say it again. If you're going to embrace wisdom, that means, listen now, that you're going to reflect God's own heart as it relates to any form of evil, sin. Listen, God doesn't hate people. I want you to get that. He does not hate people. He hates the evil, sinful thoughts and actions that hurt people. He hates the evil, sinful thoughts and actions that people display in their lives. That's what he hates. God hates evil. God hates sin because he loves us so much and he doesn't want us to needlessly and unnecessarily suffer the consequences of what doing evil and sinful things will bring upon our lives doesn't hate people, he hates sin. He hates evil. Look at the text again. To fear the Lord is to what? Hate evil. Say it again. To fear the Lord is to what? It's like this. It's like, you know, it's like this. God, I care more about you and more about what you say than anyone or anything. Anyone or anything else. And whatever you call evil, God, whatever you call sin, it's evil, it's sin, I will agree with you. Amen? And I will hate the things that you hate. Love the things you love, yes, but I will hate the things you hate. Verses 14 through 16, stay with me now. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. Verse 15, by me kings reign and rulers make laws and are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. In other words, you want to be a leader who's useful? You want to be a leader who's successful and impactful? Then be wise. Right? Love wisdom. Seek wisdom. Those in leadership, those in leadership need wisdom. And Solomon totally understood this. Right? He was leading his people. And he knew that he needed wisdom. Verses 17 through 21, love those who love me and those who seek me. I love, those who, I love those who love me and those who seek me, what? Find me. Those who love and pursue wisdom will find themselves rewarded. They will find wisdom. Wisdom promises to be found by those who diligently seek her. Do you do that? Do you daily get up and say, Lord, I, I need, I want, I desire. Lord, I, I, I have a passion for your wisdom. I want it. He says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will what? Find me. Verse 18, with my, excuse me, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Verse 19, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. Verse 21, bestowing wealth on those who love me and make their treasuries full. So wisdom is promising. Wisdom is promising enrichment, a rich inheritance, not material riches. You guys with me? It's not promising to put money in our pockets or money in the bank. Rather, it's urging us to seek eternal wealth. You see, a person who seeks wisdom 
and walks in wisdom's ways is a life enriched by God. Right? You want to live an enriched life? Huh? Then walk in wisdom's ways. Walk in the ways of God's word. If I could sum this first point up here, wisdom is valid, it's vital, and it's valuable. Got that? I'm going to say it again. Wisdom is valid, it's vital, and it's valuable. Valid, vital, and valuable. So, number one is wisdom's what? Exhortation. Number two, wisdom's eternality. Wisdom's eternality. This is the origin of wisdom, the role of wisdom in creation. As God, as creator, God counted wisdom most important. And wisdom is, is older than the universe and was essential in its creation. Can I get an amen? Verses 21 to 31, stay with me. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed, your Bibles might render it as fashioned, created, or formed. I was appointed, fashioned, created, formed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. Now, some believe that this is speaking of Jesus. But I want to tell you, friends, and there's, there's kind of like a split here on what this is saying. Jesus was never created. Right? Right? Jesus was never formed. He's not a created being. I love the way Warren Wiersbe put it. While it isn't, while speaking of this passage, while it isn't a description of Jesus for the eternal Son of God was never created, it does foreshadow Christ as a creative word that brought everything into being. And we see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. There you see as Jesus, creator, creator of things, right? So Jesus is, Jesus is the personification, ultimately, we know this, of wisdom. Follow me here. But here in the text, say the text, contextually, Solomon continues to use wisdom as a woman, lady wisdom, listen now, in a poetic style. Got it? Say, got it, got it. Poetic style. Verse 24. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Verse 25. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. 26. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of its dust of the world. Verse 27. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above the fixed and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. Verse 29. When he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep its, his commands. And when he marked out the fountain, foundation excuse me, of the earth. Verse 30. Then I was the craftsman. In other words, the architect at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Verse 31. Rejoicing, I love this, in his whole world and delighting in what? Mankind. So here what we see here is the different aspects, many different aspects of creation and how God used wisdom to design and arrange them all. And you'll see that in Genesis chapter 1. Go home and read it. It's all there. Okay? Look at the text again, because I want to point something out. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting, here we go, in mankind. Say mankind. 
Wisdom is seen here as rejoicing in the creation of mankind. How beautiful is that? And here's where the Bible and evolutionary thought separate. Because evolution would say that chance and time brought all along what you see in the body, that it came together slowly, part by part by part. It grew, it, it mutated, and it evolved. But we were created. What did David say in Psalm 139, 14? You guys know this, right? I praise you because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So wisdom was rejoicing in how God created man. Amen? Us. Amen. Verses 32 and 34. Now then, my sons, listen to me. So this is now, gotta get this, this is now wisdom speaking, not Solomon. Okay, there's a shift here. This is not Solomon, this is now wisdom. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. So we know that happiness comes from obeying God's word. Someone say amen. Verse 33, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. In other words, don't be a know-it-all. Okay, be teachable. You see, given that wisdom has proven herself to be good and reliable and that she brings many blessings with her, we should give wisdom our attention and never, never despise it. Amen? Verse 34, blessed is a man, woman who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my my doorway. I'm going to read that again. Blessed, say blessed. That means happy are those. Happy is the man, woman who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Those who submit to God's wisdom are blessed. Amen? Those who submit to God's wisdom are blessed. Well, where do you find God's wisdom? Come on, church. Where do you find God's wisdom? In his word, blessed is the man, woman, who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, watching at my doorway. This is like a student waiting for the gates and the door of their school to be open because they want to learn. Are you, are you guys with me? They have this yearning desire. They can't wait. Open the gate. I'm ready. Open the gate. I'm ready because they want to learn. They want wisdom. So that being said, question, do you spend time with God daily, waiting and watching and meditating on his word? And I I get it. Hey, we can all get lazy at times. I get lazy at times. But we got to get back to the word. Yeah? There's so many distractions, right? Think about it, right? I mean, life's busy, right? But we need to spend time. Are, Are you like this? Are you like that student that... Man, I can't wait to get up because when I get up, I can't wait to open up the Word of God. Open the gates, man. Yeah? Do we spend time daily waiting and watching, meditating on His Word? And you know the sad truth is? A lot of Christians want intimacy with God and the wisdom of God without the investment of quality time. You guys with me? 
Oh, I want, I want the wisdom of God, you know. I want intimacy with God, the wisdom of God, but we're not willing to invest quality time. We need to put time aside. Make a deliberate decision. Say, no, today and the days to come throughout my life, I'm going to put time aside. We put time aside for everything else, don't we? We put time aside so I can be filled with the wisdom of God. Amen? If, you know, if we want a blessed life, then, then we need to daily soak ourselves in God's Word. Verses 35 and 36, we're almost done here, okay? For whoever finds me, finds what? And who receives favor from the Lord. Favor implies, and I want you to get this, favor implies acceptance, goodwill, and approval. Acceptance, goodwill, and approval. Acceptance, goodwill, and approval. That's, that's favor. For whoever finds me, finds life, and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love what? Death. So wisdom warns of the consequences of ignoring her advice and presents us with a choice. It's a choice. Will we live, listen now friends, will we live by God's wisdom that brings life and favor or by our own wisdom that brings harm and death. Huh? What are you choosing? What am I choosing? Am I going to live my life by God's wisdom that brings life and fear? Who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? Huh? Or by your own wisdom. I'm going to just do my own thing. I'm going to just you know, live life my own way. My own do my feelings. Living by your own wisdom that brings, my own wisdom that brings harm and death. Because what wisdom is saying, there's a way to life. And there's a way to death. And wisdom is saying, it's your choice. It's your choice. So what's your choice? Life or death? Life, favor, harm, and death. Let's all stand.